Welcome to Missions Corner. Our goal at Missions Corner is to bring you stories straight from the mission fields, both locally and from around the world, in hopes of inspiring you to get out and go live the abundant life that Jesus has called you to. Still as true today as when Jesus first said it, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Today we catch up with Jason Pranzo and Janet Pranzo in part two of our three-part interview with Robert Walter of Chosen People Ministries. Robert is a missionary to the Jewish people in Brooklyn, New York, and today he will continue sharing his testimony of how God brought him to salvation and put a burden on his heart for the Jewish people. Let's listen in. What we do is we will provide training in, um, in how to go out onto the streets of New York and share the gospel with Jewish people. We'll provide training on understanding the Jewish worldviews, on understanding the different Jewish communities in New York. Uh, and then we go out onto the street together. We we'll split up into teams of like five, six people. We'll go out onto the street in different areas uh, where there's a lot of foot traffic, and we'll share the gospel. You know, it's uh, sometimes it's, sometimes it's handing out tracts. Uh, oftentimes, we'll set up book tables uh, where we'll have different literature and tracts mm-hmm. and books, and just try to engage with Jewish people. Uh, we'll go into the parks, and we'll have we'll send teams of two with uh, like spiritual questionnaires. Uh, to just approach people with these questions, uh, and the questions are formulated in a way to spur on a conversation about about the gospel. So uh, it's really excellent, and I highly recommend it. And uh, if you're interested, uh, I think it's a little too late to get on for this year, but next summer okay. uh, we'll have it. It's called Shalom New York. Just go to our website, chosenpeople.com, and you'll be able to, to uh, find it there, Shalom New York. Uh, now, amazing story that happened okay so one one year another missionary and i uh were out together on the street with a team of people and we went to one of these uh very insular ultra orthodox neighborhoods and we're walking around and we were looking to take surveys looking to take these spiritual questionnaires and again it was a very sort of uh you know an approach where we wanted to get into a conversation about the gospel so we had on the questionnaire like quotes from the Talmud. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Talmud, if if you're not familiar, is uh, it's rabbinic tradition that's written down, and it's authoritative. Uh, it's it's considered as being on the same plane as the Word of God among the ultra orthodox communities. Okay, and it was it's not scripture. Okay, yeah, but it's like conversations uh, written down between rabbis and sages throughout the ages, trying to figure out. Uh, trying to interpret the Bible, interpret the first five books of Moses mm-hmm. specifically, uh, but also to try to, uh, there, there's storytelling, you know, there, there's there's a lot of kind of weird stuff in there too, honestly. But there, there's also a lot of details about how to live out God's word. So there's all yeah. like, talk about commandments. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Talmud gives commandment on commandment on commandment. Uh, it's it's pretty intense. Anyway, so we on the, the questionnaire, we had quotes from there that, you know, sort of, uh, we thought would open the door to to get into talking about Jesus. So, okay, anyway, I'm, I'm probably talking too much, but so we go out, right? Uh, we're, we're walking down the street and we couldn't find anybody that wanted to talk to us. So we sat down on a bench and we prayed and we said, Lord, please, we're here. Please open the door for us and guide us to uh, where you want us to go and, and give us at least one person to talk yeah. to. So we start, we get up from the bench uh, we start walking down the block and we're, we're across the street. I noticed two young 
ultra-Orthodox men standing outside of a building. It was a yeshiva, which is, mm-hmm. again, like a Jewish school, a house of study. And um, uh, and I said, hey, let's let's go talk to these guys. And within five minutes, half the yeshiva comes out. And there's no probably kidding. about 15 guys uh, just standing there with us. And my my uh, cohort there, my, my partner, was talking with a group of about six of them. And I was talking with the, the rest. And I turned my back at one point, And all I could see was the back of my friend's uh, <laughs> head and his arms just waving as he's talking. You know, it, it was yeah. such a such a powerful moment. There was one guy in particular who was kind of like really interested. And one of the questions that he had was, you know, why are you doing this? And I wanted to tell him that, you know, I wanted to let him know that not all Christians are bad people. Uh, because, I, again, for our listening audience, this is important for us to realize that there is a very dark history of Christian anti-Semitism. And Christians, whether it's the Catholic Church or even some of the great reformers like Martin Luther himself, uh, they said and did some pretty anti-Semitic things and persecuted the Jewish people. And today in 2022, uh, as evangelicals in America, we don't think about that history that much. We may not even be aware of it, but the Jewish community is very aware. So there is this built-in skepticism of Jesus and his followers. So I wanted to help this young man know that uh, not all Christians are bad, that there are a lot of Christians out there who love Jesus, who love the Jewish people, who love Israel, and who want to know uh, what Jewish people like him actually believe. So we're, we're having this whole conversation, and I was able to actually uh, share with him about, uh, about the Messiah. And uh, again, this might be a little bit of a long-winded sort of uh, explanation here, but in the Talmud, there is this idea, in Jewish uh, Orthodox theology, there is this idea that there is more than one Messiah, that there's actually two Messiahs that one of these messiahs is called Mashiach ben Yosef, or the Messiah son of Joseph. And Joseph, you know, son of Joseph, Joseph who? Joseph from the book of Genesis. Okay, so Jacob's son, who from Genesis 37 through 50, went through all kinds of suffering, right? And trials and tribulations. Potiphar's wife framing him, him being Mm -hmm. thrown into jail, him being uh, sold into slavery by his brothers, right? All of this this uh, this harsh uh, experience, but then God used it, right? Yeah. God used it to exalt him to the second in command, answerable only to Pharaoh in all of Egypt, and ultimately the savior of his own people. Yeah. Uh, because remember, his brothers went down to Egypt to find yeah. food. Okay. So there's one yeah. picture of Messiah, the Messiah, son of Joseph. And then there's the second Messiah, the Messiah, son of David, Mashiach ben David, who is a conquering king Messiah. So the way it's written out in the Talmud is that at the end of this age, before the messianic kingdom is ushered in, the Messiah son of Joseph is going to come. He's going to appear. And then he will be rejected and he will be killed. And his, his corpse will be lying in the street in Jerusalem. And then when the suffering servant Messiah, the, the Messiah son of Joseph is laying there dead, then the Messiah son of David comes, the conquering king comes resurrects the Messiah son of Joseph, and then the Messiah son of David takes his place on the throne sort of as like the, the preeminent Messiah. Okay. So this is, uh, this is part of Orthodox Jewish theology. 
That uh, so, sounds, not to interrupt you, but that sounds yeah. an awful lot like the Antichrist. And when you look yeah. at you look at the tribulation, which, you know, in, in studying eschatology, the tribulation is there as the last call to God's people yeah. to right. turn to him. But the, I, I'm sorry, I have goosebumps. I've never heard this from this perspective of it mm-hmm. um, because we know that the Antichrist will be at, at the halfway point. He will be assassinated and then his corpse will be right. reanimated. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting, right? And this is a this is a, a you know again a, a, a every Orthodox person that we surveyed on that question, every single one of them affirmed that it's going to happen, affirmed that it's true, that they believe it's going to happen that way. So yeah, it's interesting how it fits into sort of our understanding of the end times. Yeah. So what we tried to do though uh, is take these two pictures of the Messiah, and and frame it in a way to connect it to Jesus uh, and say that in Orthodox Jewish theology, you have two messiahs who basically come at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Two messiahs who come at the same time. And we say, no, 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 it's one messiah, but he comes twice. Mm-hmm. The first time he came, he came like the son of Joseph. Yes. He came to suffer. He came yes. to die. He came to lay down his life for the sake of his brothers. And when he comes back, when he comes the second time, and again, as I was explaining this on the street uh, to this this one particular uh, ultra-Orthodox young man, he actually finished the statement for me. I said, when he comes the second time, and he said, ah, he's going to come like Mashiach ben David. He's going to come like the king. I said, exactly. Wow. So again, these are like seeds that were planted. Now, yeah. the, the amazing part, the sort of miraculous part that's still like, I think about it from time to time and, and just like... Uh, I'm in wonder and awe of how awesome God is. So again, my my partner and I are, were engaged in this long conversation with these 15 ultra-Orthodox yeshiva guys. They're all probably in their early 20s. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, we hear this really sort of gentle voice behind us. And we turn around and everybody falls silent. And there's this just real slender looking, you know, unbecoming, you know, just not intimidating in any way. Uh, this Asian guy who mm-hmm. turned out to be a Christian and he very soft spoken. He says, uh, excuse me, guys, guys, I just I feel like I have to share something with you. And then he just began to preach the gospel <laughs> like you would not believe like he is. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, and he's just going on about how Jesus is our Passover and how Jesus died for our sins and how, uh, you know, he starts saying Yeshua, which is Jesus' uh, Hebrew name. Yes. And he's just, he's going on and on about this. And I just looked at my partner who, you know, the two of us were there sharing the gospel with this group. And we just looked at each other. We were just shocked, speechless. Yeah. And then wow. this guy, he just, he stops, he finishes, he stops, and then he just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was incredible. So uh, what he shared, though, that allowed us to sort of um, uh, springboard off of it uh, in our conversation with these guys. Uh, and eventually they all had to go back inside. But it was just one of those moments like we could not have orchestrated it yeah. uh, in that way. Uh, but many seeds were planted. The gospel was clearly proclaimed. And uh, I continue to pray for those guys. And every now and then I'll go up to that neighborhood and just, you know, try to try to engage again. Yeah. Have you, have you had any success since? Not with these particular guys, no. No. Unfortunately. Well, hopefully, you know, the, the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy yes. Spirit gets to them and those seeds take root in their heart. Yeah. So Robert, um, how did you, how did your partnership with Chosen People Ministries um, begin? Oh, okay. So this is a great question. Uh, so I didn't grow up in, in a church. I didn't grow up as a believer. Uh, oh, and also I'm not Jewish. Uh, I should probably mention that. Sometimes people will sort of think that, you know, because I'm in a Jewish ministry that I must be a Jewish believer. But uh, I'm a European mutt and I grew up in, uh, Same. I was born in Sequawkis, New Jersey and grew up in Bayonne, New Jersey, uh, right, you know, across the Hudson from, from Manhattan. So I'm Irish, Italian, German, Polish, Lithuanian, just all mixed together. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't grow up with any kind of, you know, religious upbringing at all. We never went to church, nothing like that. By the time I was 19 years old, I was uh, involved in in a lot of uh, drugs and, you know, that whole sort of culture and just, you know, dark, dark stuff. Uh, And then uh, one night in uh, it was early March of 2001, really, honestly, it was over the course of about two months. I I was, again, living this just depraved lifestyle and every involved around the experience of, uh, you know, partaking in these substances, uh, the music I listened to, the friends I had, you know, everything. Yeah. I planned my week around it, you know. Yeah. And uh, over the course of about two months, God began to convict me. It's the only way I can explain it. And I began to feel just this great shame and guilt about the way I was living. And I started to think about life and, and existence and why am I here? Uh, it came to a head one night where I was, I was, uh, just at a very low point. And I don't know why I just felt compelled to pray. And I prayed and I said, God, if you are real, show me. And within moments of praying that prayer, I was flooded by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, I burst into tears. Uh, I had the sense of peace and love that I had never known before in my life. And all I knew I, I, you know, again, this is a, sort of a strange testimony, but all I knew was that Jesus answered me. Wow. That's, that's it. And so I wasn't in a church. No one was sort of sharing the gospel with me. It was just a moment where I cried out to God and he answered. Uh, my, I was completely changed. I mean, I had no desire for any of that stuff anymore. And um, what happened is I had to, I moved. Uh, I had to get away from friends and influences and that whole world that I was yeah. steeped in. So I moved from Jersey down to West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, because I have uh, an uncle who had moved down there and he's a real Jersey guy. You know? yeah. And he was living in Florida and he's not a believer and no no one in my family is a believer, uh, even to this day. Um, so we're, we're continuing to pray uh, and share. but. Uh, so my uncle calls me up and uh, again, I was a brand new believer in Jersey and I was sort of coming out of this fog of, uh, that I was in and he calls me, he goes, yo, what are you doing up there? <laughs> and and uh, so he invited me to go down and, uh, and stay with him. Uh, so I stayed with him and his family. I slept on his couch for like a year. He got me a job working for him at a Toyota dealership in West Palm and West Palm beach. I don't know if you've ever been there, if you know, but it's basically the sixth borough of New York Okay, uh, because yeah. everyone down there is, is from New York, New Jersey. Yeah. They just take I-95 as the main highway straight down the East coast. I'm familiar. And, I, uh, I actually grew up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So, and my okay. grandparents, every year they go to Florida. Okay. So, and here yeah. you can hear me talking to you. It's coming out Florida. It's not Florida. Florida it's yeah. Florida. <laughs> yeah. So they were snowbirds. That, yes. That's, yes. Uh, they were yeah. snowbirds. They were snowbirds. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so not only is it very New York down there, but it's also very Jewish. 
Palm Beach County, and at, at really from Miami up to West Palm Beach, if you take all of that area, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, Boca, Delray, Boynton Beach, West Palm Beach, that is the second largest Jewish community in the U.S. No kidding. Oh, yeah. I would have never guessed. I yeah. should have guessed, but I never guessed. Should have guessed, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, very Jewish down there. Um, so so that's really where I began to grow as a, as a believer. I, I didn't know exactly where to go right away because, again, no one led me to the Lord. No one was discipling me in yeah. my early walk. But one thing that God used to really stabilize me during that time was the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel. And no yeah, yeah. And, and Moody. So I would listen to Moody Radio and Calvary Chapel. Oh, and I still remember where I was when I first stumbled on the radio dial, you know, because I had no idea. I had no idea that that this was even out there. Yeah. And I, I was actually I was delivering car parts <laughs> and I had to pull over in the truck uh, because I was just shocked because I turned the dial and I hear someone teaching through the Bible verse by verse. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, what, what is this? You know, yeah. I, I didn't, people do this. I didn't, I didn't know it was allowed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I was just, uh, God really used that. So I would just soak up these half hour sermons from Greg Laurie, from Pastor Chuck Smith, from uh, Roll Reese. Yeah. Uh, and then on the, the Moody side, it was Chuck Swindoll and Tony Evans mm -hmm. and John MacArthur and, you know, people like that. Yeah. And uh, it just, I, I got fed. So, okay, fast forward a little bit, right? So I'm growing as a disciple. I'd been a believer for about two or three years, living in West Palm, and I find myself at First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach. Excellent church. And I meet this young guy. His name was Joshua, and he was such an extrovert. Like, this guy was just, he was magnetic, you know? Yeah. Just fun to be around. Loved the Word of God, too. It was just like... Uh, and we just clicked right away. Yeah. So I meet him and he started sharing with me some of these Jewish nuggets from the New Testament. And I said, where are you getting that? Because I hadn't yeah. heard anything like that. You know, he said, oh, you got to come to this Bible study. So I go to the Bible study and it was at the church and it was a, a sort of Jewish roots of our faith kind of Bible study that was being taught by a chosen people ministries missionary. Uh, his name was Ben Alpert. He's a Jewish believer in Jesus. Uh, great guy excellent teacher of the word, you know, and he, you kind of look at him, he looks like a rabbi, you know, he's got a big white beard, uh, <laughs> yeah. but then he opens his mouth and he grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. Oh. <laughs> so, so he's got this thick Southern accent uh, and this real distinct voice too. So he, when he, when he talks, it's kind of like this. You know? <laughs> never saw it coming, did you? Yeah, never saw it coming. So, um, okay. So, I was I went to one Bible study and I was just blown away. I was like, wow, this this is interesting. And I was very sort of the Lord was already sort of giving me a desire to to learn more about this, the 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 historic cultural Jewish backgrounds of the Bible. Uh, so two days later, after I went to this Bible study, our little group of friends, we were in a bookstore and we meet this young Orthodox Jewish guy. Uh, he was about 20 years old, and I was in my early 20s at the at that time too. And you know, he's clearly Jewish. He's wearing a, a yarmulke, the head mm -hmm. covering, or a kippah. He's wearing what's called zitzit, which are the white fringes that are on the four corners of the garment that you'll see Orthodox Jewish men wear. Uh, so we strike up a conversation with him, and it turns out that the Lord had already been stirring in his heart. He had a lot of questions about the Messiah, wow. and he was going to his rabbi, uh, and he was asking things like. You know, in Genesis, who is God talking to when he says, let us make man in our image? Mm -hmm. 
You know, that it, yeah. and his rabbi just wasn't giving him a satisfactory answer. So we invited him to come down to the, the study. Uh, and amazingly, he agreed. He came. So he comes to the study. We're there. After the study is over, everyone is sitting at, uh, you know, tables, drinking coffee, having snacks, you know, schmoozing is what we call it. And <laughs> I'm familiar. With I that just term. watched. You've, you've heard schmoozing. <laughs> I've yeah. heard schmoozing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a good word. Um, so I'm just watching and listening as uh, the young Orthodox man, his name was Jonathan. Mm -hmm. uh, he gets into a conversation with Ben, who was the chosen people missionary. And for like 20 minutes, they're going back and forth. And every question that Jonathan had, Ben was giving an answer, pointing it back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the things that they were saying, I had like no idea what they were talking about. So they're going back and forth for like 20 minutes. And uh, after 20 minutes, it's like the room got quiet and heavy. Uh, and you could see the look on Jonathan's face. Like he was beginning to understand mm -hmm. that, that this is it. This is the truth. And then Ben looks at him eye to eye, right? And he just says, you know, it's him, don't you? Talking about Jesus. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan's eyes welled up with tears. He nodded his head in agreement and he just began to weep and weep. Wow. And in that moment, as he was acknowledging and accepting that Jesus is the Messiah of Israel, that he's the long-awaited king that, that Jonathan had been waiting for, that his family, that his people, that his nation had been longing for. Uh, it was just overwhelming. When that happened, the Lord lit a spark in my heart. I, I knew in that moment that God was calling me to be a part of that, to be a part of, of this ministry, to be yeah. a part of, of Jewish people being presented the gospel and Jewish people responding to the gospel. And when he first composed himself, I'll never forget the first words he said. He said, why didn't they tell us? Why didn't they tell us? And it just, again, it just like struck my heart so hard. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, why, why, why is this the first time that I'm hearing about uh, the gospel going to the Jewish people? Uh, if there's any ethnic people group in the world that should be, you know, receiving the gospel, it's the Jewish people. I mean, these yeah. are... Jesus's uh, kinsmen according to the flesh, right? These are his relatives. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it just, that that set me on the path to where we are today uh, and opened the door for us to, to start serving with Chosen People Ministries. That's amazing. It's great to see how God, you know, put that stirring in your heart for you to pray, you know, and then where he led you, you ended up in, in Florida and in, in meeting this gentleman who, you know, and then meeting Jonathan and being able to love on him with, with the love of Jesus, you know, like, for Jason and I, we we had that same kind of, actually, that's exactly how we responded when we gave our lives to Christ. We went, why didn't anybody ever tell us? I didn't, nobody ever explained to me that I had to confess with my mouth that Jesus was Lord, you know, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the, nobody told us why. Why did we, wow. I grew up going to church every Wednesday, every Sunday. I always knew that Jesus was real. I always loved him, but nobody ever explained that to me. And that was something that, I, I guess it really broke both of our hearts. And that's, you know, and that's one thing for, for our listeners, too, is to understand that, you know, no matter the background that you come from, uh, you know, whether it be a Jewish background, whether it be uh, a Christian household, whether it be a secular household where you've never heard the word of God before or somewhere in between, um, there's no amount of striving that we can do right. 
to earn salvation. One sin is enough to cause us to be damned to hell. We can't earn God's forgiveness, right? And his standards are perfection. But he gave us Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and he was the sacrificial lamb like you were talking about earlier, Robert. He was the spotless lamb that his blood was shed for us that our sins would be forgiven. And this is, you know, a picture to the Jew in the sacrifice that the 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 lamb without blemish was sacrificed to atone for sin. Jesus was the ultimate picture of that. He was the to the Jews that they would understand um and in in back to what I was saying is that there is no uh, amount of things that you can do to earn God's forgiveness. There's no amount of sacrificing that you can do. There's no good amount of good deeds that you can do to earn God's forgiveness because Jesus Christ already accomplished the work. You simply have to accept his forgiveness and understand that you are a sinner, that you can't earn God's forgiveness, and it's great. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us on the next episode of Missions Corner for the third and final part of our interview with Robert Walter of Chosen People Ministries. At Missions Corner, we pray that this episode has blessed you and fueled your passion for serving the Lord. As our brother Paul reminds us in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus saved us for a reason and a purpose. That purpose is to win people to Christ, disciple them in Christ, and send them out for Christ. You can listen to this episode again for free on demand at the App Store or Google Play or visit us at missionscorner.com. Thank you for listening and we pray that the Lord greatly blesses you.